Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This new story that I want to get into, now this is very interesting, and it has to do with Canada's provinces, all of them now permitting pharmacists to prescribe medication for relatively minor health issues. Is this a positive step? What are the pitfalls? And what is the response of Canada's family physicians? Dr. Chris Milburn is a family physician in uh, Sydney, Nova Scotia. He joins us. Dr. Milburn, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. I always like to ask doctors how they are. It's just a thing of mine. Because we run in and complain to you about how we're feeling. And then so we, I always like to ask doctors how they're doing. What do you think led to pharmacists having the right to prescribe medications for more minor health conditions? And the, there are different models in different provinces. Do you think it was the... The lack of family doctors, was it something else? Um, for sure, what, what's happened, as I see it, as the big picture, is for 50 years now, the government has had a complete stranglehold on running medicine in Canada. We have the most socialist medical system other than probably North Korea and Cuba. The Canada Health Act actually makes it illegal for people to provide private service or work outside of the system. So the government has engineered it into the ground. If anybody wants to know why you don't have a family doctor anymore, it's because the, the pay rates are now so low that it's just not worth people doing office practice. So because they've engineered the shortage of uh, family doctors, there was a cry, understandably, from the public to say we need care somewhere. And so now we have nurse practitioners and we have physician assistants and now pharmacists who can kind of come in on the edges of uh, what a family doctor used to do and chip away at the sort of the traditional family doc role. Doesn't that also chip away at, uh, additionally chip away at the, at the income of family doctors? Well, it does. So people should, should make no mistake. We have, we have great job security. We'll never be bored. It's not like we won't have enough work. But the, the problem is the pay rates, and in the government's great wisdom, it's set pay rates for a typical family doc visit anywhere from around like $35 or so in Nova Scotia to I think the best paying provinces are probably a little over $50, which uh, people have to keep in mind out of that, a government, uh, sorry, a, a doctor has to pay for heat, light, secretary, licensing, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it doesn't work out to be much. And that visit fee is set assuming an average visit complexity. So what, what happens, it sounds great. When the government says it sounds great, oh, we're going to take these menial things like UTIs and heartburn and just let the pharmacist deal with them, well, that's great, but that increases the average visit complexity. We end up, as family doctors, we end up with, you know, sick 83-year-old people who have a list of eight complaints that are on 14 medications that take us a half an hour to sort out and then leave us with extra paperwork after that. And so suddenly that, that average complexity is just too high and we're we're just not making any money and that's why family doctors are, are voting with their feet and they don't work in offices anymore yeah I've, I've heard that uh, quite a bit actually um, so I was thinking about one particular um, health issue might present itself to a pharmacist UTIs urinary tract infection which could be simple to address with an antibiotic but might also be indicative of a more serious health condition like I don't know STDs Without proper screening and testing prior to an antibiotic being prescribed by a pharmacist, a serious health issue may be missed or delayed or temporarily dealt with and not treated properly. Is that a legitimate concern? Yeah, I think I think that's legitimate. There's a number of different issues with, with allowing pharmacists to start to prescribe. But one of them is pharmacists are, you know, they have uh, they're kind of a one-trick pony. They're 
they're really, really good about sorting out medications, much smarter than I am as a doc. They, they know all the details of which medications interact with which ones, what time of day you take them with food, without food, all this stuff. But they're not treated in what we call differential diagnosis. So somebody comes in and says, I think I have a UTI. Well, that could be 20 different things from a kidney stone to bladder cancer to a perforated diverticulum. Um, and pharmacists aren't really treated to think of medical problems in that way. They're, they're treated to think of them from the, after they're diagnosed. And, and but patients don't show up with a label on their forehead saying, I have a UTI. They show up with complaints. Yeah. So what, that's, that's problematic, firstly, because something might be missed. But uh, like I'll give you an example from a few weeks ago. I had a patient come in to me with a UTI complaint. It's very simple. And it was a UTI in the end. I'm pretty confident. And that was fine. But she also just happened to say, oh, I'm a little worried about this thing on my leg. And I looked at this mole on her leg. I said, that should come off. We took it off. And it was a melanoma. And it's that sort of value-added thing. If, if she just had to be to the pharmacist for UTI, the pharmacist is not going to be able to look at her leg, too. They're, they're not either paid or trained to do that. So it's those kind of things. Somebody's in my office for UTI, and I say, hey, you're, you're two years late on your pap smear. You're late on your mammogram. You're late on your colon cancer screening, whatever. There's, there's value-added with the family doc. And, pharma, you know, the pharmacist visit is very limited and proscribed. It's, you know, very narrow in focus. Yeah. Dr. Milburn, in the minute we have left, did I just hear you say family doctors are voting with their feet? Absolutely. So um, people can people can follow me. At, uh, we, My wife and I uh, have a, a, a sub stack, but if they go to freespeechandmedicine.com, I'm going to be putting out something soon. But if you want to know why you don't have a family doc, it's because office practice pays so poorly and is so uh, laden with paperwork that none of our new grads are doing it anymore. Firstly, hardly any medical school graduates are choosing uh, family medicine. That The numbers of them choosing family med have gone way down. The ones that do end up working in emergency rooms or palliative care or anything that pays a salary, because many of them make twice as much as they would in an office. So there's just, there's no... Uh, financial incentive to do off. Okay, well, that's scary. What's, the, what's your substack again? Uh, people can go to freespeechinmedicine.com and check it out and they can get the link to our substack there. Freespeechinmedicine.com. I write slowly, eh? <laughs> I have to be able to read it later. Freespeechinmedicine.com. Yeah. Free How's your writing? How's your handwriting? Uh, no, it's okay. I don't, is no, no, I'm just I'm just joking. <laughs> it, it, it's actually legible. Which, okay, I don't know. Maybe that means I'm not a good doctor. I don't know. <laughs> if you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.